the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Day after Valentine's Day, February the 15th, 2022. Oh, I hope you all are doing as well as I am. It's a great day today. Um, you know, I've always been a big fan of, of Valentine's Day. I am, you know, a Sicilian, a Latin lover, a romantic. So Valentine's Day has always been a, a special day in my book. And yesterday, last night was so special. Uh, it was by far at least in my memory, the least romantic Valentine's Day I ever had. But it was the best Valentine's Day that I ever had. Um, my wife, Marianne, is t- nursing our two-month-old daughter, Ariana. Arthur is five years old, and he's just a gem. So I, I actually was able to get home as early as possible. I walked in the door. I had bags of presents. Um, for my wife and my, my daughter, I had to explain to my son that the way I was raised, you don't really do Valentine's Day. I mean, we hugged, we kissed, and he knows how much I love him. Um, Marianne returned, you know, I had some very nice presents. She returned the, the, the gift to me by having a bottle of a red wine vinegar because we had run out. So that was my present. And, uh, so I, she got a couple of designer stuff and I got red wine vinegar. She's going to kill me, but that... <laughs> That's actually a por- only a portion of the story. She had something delivered, allegedly delivered to the law firm yesterday, and it never showed up. But last night, and so thank you, Marianne, but you don't have to give me anything. The fact that you take such good care of my two beautiful children. And Luca was, was with his mom, so I knew he was having a good time, and he had already told me he had a great day at school. And But to watch uh, a mother nourish her child and to take good, such good care of her two children. There's really nothing better. There's no, no greater love. And what I wrote in the card to Marianne was I've never loved you more than I love you today. Watching you take care of this little girl. I mean, I don't know if those of you out there who have children, you know, children are like, a, you know, like a really addictive drug. Like if you never tried it, you're not going to miss anything because you don't know what you're missing. But if you try it, boy, oh boy. I mean, kids are so addictive, at least at least the way I look at it. And Ariana, this little, beautiful, beautiful, tiny little girl, uh, to have her as my Valentine 
and I went to a very special store here in Manhattan called Tiffany, and I bought her her first set of earrings, little the Tiffany blue earrings, and I wrapped them all up, and we opened them together, and I gave it to her, and, and you know, you think of Valentine's Day, and you think of that New York Post article I spoke about yesterday of like what positions you should be going into doing your thing in to lose weight, and uh, you know, as my bud Bill Santo likes to say, you'd be swinging from chandeliers. You know, last night was couldn't be any further um, from that, and yet it was it was just glorious. After putting all three of them to sleep, I went downstairs and very happily had a salad with my brand new bottle of Italian red wine vinegar, and I really couldn't have been happier. I could only hope that all of you who are listening had experiences uh, at least on par in terms of the happiness it brought you in your heart, because that's what it was all about. And today, February 15th, is an extra special day for the Idala family, which I will reveal at the end of the show. But what I was a little... um I'm going to say pleasantly surprised about today from my mayor, Mayor Eric Adams, was he got a little snippy, got a little snippy with the press today, and he pushed back. He's only been there six weeks, but he kind of let them know that, you know, he was not going to be um, pushed around by them, so to speak, or at least he wasn't going to be intimidated by them. And uh, I'm not 100% sure he was correct on the merits. I'm not sure he picked the right topic to push back on. Basically, he went to Albany uh, to try to lobby to change some of these bail reform laws. And it it doesn't seem like he got a lot of traction. And that's what was reported in the newspapers today. And so then today he's going to have a press conference on a very positive thing about uh, youth summer youth employment and how they're expanding uh, the programs that the city has to help the youth in New York City. But he started off by basically saying, you know, you guys kill me. And um, he's talked about how the coverage he felt was not fair. And then he went into like he, he kind of made a, a wild curveball and he made it about race. Sam Bellino, we got that clip. Let it how roll. How many East Indians? How many South Asians? Everybody talks about my government being diversified. What's the diversification in the newsrooms? So everybody go back with their predispositions. And my role as mayor is being interpreted through the prisms of your realities and not mine. So when you write stories, you're not writing stories for people who was almost homeless like me. You're not writing stories for people who were arrested and beat by police officers. You're not writing stories from those who are dealing with high crime. You're writing from your prisms. And I'm not saying this to attack. But my administration is going to be about saying the obvious that other people are uncomfortable with saying. Discomfort is growth. So I say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials, diversify your newsroom so I can look out and see people that look like me and say, we're going to write stories based on the prisms that we have, based on the prism of this young man, based on the prism of being the first black woman that's the speaker or Jamani Williams, based on the prisms of his realities. It's not what we're getting. That's not what we're getting. And that's why I'm covered the way I'm covered. And he went, and he went on to say, you know, I, when I go in, how many, how many black people are near editorial boards? 
How many Asian people are on your editorial boards? <clears throat> How many South Asian people are in your newsrooms? So he really called the whole uh, media industry out for their lack of diversity. Again, so what Channel 4 did tonight was they showed the coverage of his uh, trip to Albany. And I, I, I know they highlighted Errol Lewis was one of the people who said that the mayor came back uh, empty-handed. I think that was the term Errol Lewis used on New York One. So I get what he was saying with the mayor. I'm just not sure if this was the proper uh, topic that he was not covered appropriately on to make such a point because it kind of seemed across the board the interpretation of his trip to uh, Albany was that he didn't get accomplished what he wanted to get accomplished. But it was funny because when in one of the, the uh, video clips, you know, when they pull back to show the whole blue room where the mayor gives his press conferences in City Hall, he's right. I mean, all the people who are covering him are not. Let's just put it this way, folks. It's not a very diverse crowd. And, you know, look, let's look in the mirror. You could say that about a lot of talk radio stations, right? Go right up the dial, go right up and down the dial. Uh, you know, you, you're not going to say that the mainstream right or left media in New York City, uh, you know, I don't know if the, the behind-the-scenes folks who are making the decisions are the has the diversity that we've come to expect in city government. I think that's what he's saying. In his government, he's trying to mix up, you know, the whole uh, beautiful mosaic of the United States of America, and in particular, New York. And he's like, look, you guys are going to criticize me. You're going to come after me. But you're looking at things basically through an all-white prism, and I'm looking at things through a, a different prism, and people may interpret things differently. So... You you figure it out. I mean, he, he went off pretty good. And I compliment him because, especially in the beginning of an administration, you want that media to be on your side. Now, does this change things? You know, yesterday we talked about a nice puff piece about him in the New York Times. Did the New York Times look around their boardroom and, or, you know, and, and say, hmm, well, Adam's a little bit right, but we don't care and we're going to start beating him up? Does the Daily News do that? Does the New York Post do that, do that? It's interesting. When I spoke to Mayor de Blasio at the end of his term, he told me he never read the tabloids. He never read the Daily News and the Post. God bless him because he'd be six feet under if he read it and took any of that seriously. Um, so I don't know. We shall see. I will tell you this. He has a Mayor Adams. You know, he has a very well, one last point. What he did by coming out so strongly was he then diluted the press conference he was actually there for, which was supposed to be a highlight of his first six weeks in, which is to help youth in the summer because youth in the summer tend to get in trouble. So that in, in that, I don't know, number one, if he took, if he chose the right topic to make this point, And then if he chose the right forum, um, I mean, he certainly made the point. We shall see what rolls out after it, what we're going to come up talking about next. And I'm, going to de reach onto my bench and pull off the Honorable Judge Barry Cammons, who writes a textbook for lawyers and law school called Search and Seizure. And it has to do with, I mean, what we would know nowadays is stop and frisk. That's one of the topics, but that's the one that was in the news uh, quite often over the years. And this has to do with the mayor's program to have people randomly searched on buses coming up from the south to see if they are bringing 
guns in with them to New York City. So we'll see if it's legal. Can we do it? Judge Barry Cowens will let us know. Now, do you remember years ago, and in Judge Cameron's case, it's decades ago, when you were in your teens and you thought you were invincible? Well, the same rationale applies to adults now where you think you're invincible. You think you're never going to get sick. You think you're never going to get hit by a car. Well, when we're healthy, we think we don't need a power of attorney. We think we don't need a health care proxy. We think we can worry about that. Ah, we'll worry about it when we get older. Well, you know what, folks? I can tell you right now, you get older a lot faster than you think you're going to get older. The truth is, if something happens to you, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. Real quick, what's a power of attorney? <clears throat> power of attorney is a document that only matters when you're alive. The power of attorney would die with you when you die. But when you're alive, but incapacitated in some form, it allows the person who you designate to act on your behalf. So to negotiate with your landlord, to negotiate with your workplace, to negotiate with a contract of some sort, to get you out of a car lease or get you into a car lease. They become you while you're alive but can't attend to certain legal matters. And a healthcare proxy is if I can't talk, if I am in a position where I cannot make my own medical conditions, I want Judge Cammons to do it. I want Arthur Idala to do it. So you need to create these two documents at the very least. And who's going to create them for you? The lawyers at Connors and Sullivan. They really know their stuff. They've been doing it for 40 years. They will help you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. So if you're sick, you don't want the doctors to make the decisions if you can't. You want a loved one who you who has your best interest at heart. Not that saying the doctors don't, but you want them to make the decision. So for a free in-person consultation with a lawyer, Call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-2788. Owner of a Lonely Heart. And what a perfect song for our next guest. Owner of a Lonely Heart. (laughs) I beg your pardon. All right, well, listen. Objection. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, uh, when you're in law school, uh, you get this book. It's called Search and Seizure. And then when you get to the district attorney's office, you get the same book that says Search and Seizure. And then when you uh, go into private practice, you go and buy this book for like $900 million called Search and Seizure. And if you become a judge, what the book that sits right on your uh, bench, it's called Search and Seizure. That you get for free from the government. Uh, so 
I was in private practice and I couldn't afford the search and seizure book any longer. So once Judge Barry Cammons resigned from the bench, I figured if I bring him into the law firm, maybe I will get a complimentary copy of the book Search and Seizure. Uh, Judge Cammons? Uh, well, first of all, the book is called New York Search and Seizure, so obviously you haven't really studied it carefully. Well, I mean, you know, I know the New York part is uh, res ipsa loquitur. I mean, you know. Uh, I beg saying? your pardon. Yeah, listen. So uh, Judge Cammons uh, is here in the law firm with us. He has an office that's so small when he puts the key in the door, he breaks the window. <laughs> I think that was Henny Youngman who said that. Yeah, well, it was Uncle Henny. Uh, all kidding aside, to the, for those of you who are not in the New York legal community, uh, Barry Cammons was a, an assistant district attorney in Brooklyn. Then he was a criminal defense attorney. Then he was the a judge, and he rose to the level of the chief administrative judge for criminal matters in the city of New York. I think that sounds about right. And then he decided, well, let me go be a real lawyer. And he comes in. Join Marion and I and Idala Bertuna, and of course, when you have a person of that stature joining your law firm, you add him to the uh, the name of the firm. So it's Idala Bertuna and Cammons, and I have no problem telling you, anytime I go into a courtroom in New York City, I put my notice of appearance on, and I say, law offices of Idala Bertuna and Cammons by Arthur Idala, because everybody in the legal community knows Judge Cammons, and it's an honor to call him my partner. It's more of an honor to call him my friend. Uh, I know he's very nervous because he doesn't really speak in public only like 12 times a day. Uh, so Judge Cammons, why don't you tell the ladies and gentlemen who are listening about ju about the mayor's uh, plan to search people um, who are on buses coming up from the south into New York City in an effort to find illegal guns being trafficked. Well, first of all, Arthur, thank you for having me on the show. And, you know, we were wondering uh, what you... At 6 o'clock every night, you seem to disappear from the firm, and this is what you do. I think it's wonderful. I, uh, we really didn't know what you do from 6 to 7, and, uh, uh, the, uh, but seriously, the, the partners well, are I'm really, not exactly hiding. I mean, you uh, know. No, seriously, no, the partners are very proud of the show, and uh, you, should, you should be very proud of yourself. So uh, as I understand the, the mayor's program, uh, and as I understand the law, I don't think this meets the standards that the Court of Appeals of New York has set for uh, surges and seizures. Uh, let me tell you why. About 20 years ago, a fellow by the name of McIntosh got on a bus at the Port Authority in New York and went up to Albany, New York, uh, on a Greyhound bus. And uh, the sheriff's department got on that bus when, as he was getting off and said, listen, we have a drug interdiction program here in Albany, and we're going to uh, start asking a lot of questions and do some searching because this is part of our drug interdiction program. Without any suspicion, without any probable cause, just, you know, uh, at random. And uh, ultimately, they found two ounces of cocaine on Mr. in Mr. McIntosh's coat. The Court of Appeals of New York said that is illegal. You cannot do that uh, randomly. You and that was just looking for uh, a matter of drugs. Uh, they said, basically, you cannot justify that type of search based upon just the general knowledge that someone is coming from a city that is known as a source of drugs. So if the mayor is thinking that because the, some cities down south are the source of uh, illegal guns, which he's, he's correct about that, that is not the basis, though, to search uh, randomly for someone coming from one of those cities. What would be the basis? Some individualized reasonable suspicion. Uh, obviously, uh, if there are drug-sniffing 
or, or gun-sniffing dogs at these locations, or the, there's a tip that an informant gives, or something like that. Uh, very uh, certainly, those are. Can, that, can the person who gives the tip be an anonymous person? Or? Uh, well, uh, that gets into a very arcane, or you know, as author. The, the bottom line is, if you see someone who you think has a gun, you have to and call nine one one. You have to give your your name. It's a case I worked on and set some New York case law. You can't just say, "Hey, uh, I think this guy's got a gun," and hang up the phone on nine one one. You know, you got to identify an item of clothing without identifying yourself. Otherwise, if you wanted to terrorize somebody, you could just keep calling 911 and say, oh, yeah, the guy with the bow tie coming off the bus, I think he has a gun, and the cops would keep stopping him over and over again. Right. Anonymous tips are usually very unreliable. That's why there has to be some, some indication that they're reliable. For example, if someone calls and says uh, someone's going to be going uh, driving uh, up to this particular gas station and a particular car, and he gives a lot of information, that's a reliable tip. Uh, that could be, even though it's anonymous, could be the basis for a stop and frisk. But the mayor's program, and I, listen, I applaud the mayor. I, I want New York to be safe, and I applaud him for trying to get guns uh, off the streets, and New Yorkers want to feel safe. But uh, the program has to meet legal standards, and unfortunately, as I read it and as I read the program, it doesn't meet the standards set by our highest court. So let's talk about stop and frisk for a moment. You know, uh, under the Giuliani administration and then under the Bloomberg administration, you're talking about Police Commissioner Bratton, you're talking about Police Commissioner uh, Ray Kelly. You know, stop and frisk was a tool that was used, and then it came under a tremendous amount of scrutiny. Why don't you... Uh, educate some of our listeners about what the whole problem was there and what the federal court judge ruled. Well, that judge was Judge Shira Shinlin, who, who found that the way it was being used, first of all, stop and frisk is a perfectly legal tool that can be used by the police. Unfortunately, and within New York City, during those administrations, it was being used unlawfully because it was being used to discriminate against a number of people uh, who should not have been stopped. And as a matter of fact, there were hundreds of thousands of stops that resulted in, in no uh, criminal action whatsoever. So the tool was being used uh, to discriminate, and uh, as a result of Judge Schindler's decision, fortunately now the, the program is being used uh, appropriately by the police. And the police, as a matter of fact, had to be retrained uh, to really to understand Understand the rules of, of search of stop and frisk, uh, and when and and how they can perform uh, this uh, important so, tool. Technically, just so people understand, if a police officer believes criminal a, criminal activity is afoot, right? So if he sees the two guys eyeing someone coming out of an ATM, and it looks like they're about to pounce. A police officer is allowed to stop them and say, what do you, you know, or at least stop and question them. Absolutely. Correct? But they certainly can't, at that point, can't frisk. There has to be a separate, independent reason to believe that the person is dangerously, is, is armed with a weapon. I think there should be like four steps then before you could like stop someone. What do you think? Well, you're obviously, you're. Um, <laughs> refer- I'm going to use the word learned. But go ahead. I'm you're referring to the very, very famous case, People versus. DeBoer, which is a four-step procedure, which would take about an hour to go into. And I know well, what are the four steps? You can the right to approach, right? Uh, the right to conduct a common law inquiry, the right to stop and frisk, and the right to arrest. And those are the four steps that are sort of ascending or increasing based upon the increased knowledge of the officer. 
Uh, and that's the basis for DeBoer. And, of course, as the learned author Idala has said, that's the basis for all the actions, lawful actions that a police officer can take in New York. So before we let you go, because you have to go and write the next chapter on the book, uh, it just came out right before we went on the air that Rudy Giuliani, our client, your client specifically, uh, as well as our friend Mr. Costello, uh, has agreed to cooperate with the January 6th subpoenas. What say you? Well, first of all, as you know, we're representing him in the disciplinary matter in the New York courts, but uh, certainly and we're familiar with, with his cooperation, which as a former United States attorney, he, he believes certainly in the importance of cooperating with Congress and we're providing documents, which he is, and he will be providing hundreds of documents in order to assist the uh, Congress, which he thinks is a very important uh, thing to do. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard from the great Judge Barry Cammons, who lectures literally all over the state, uh, and you got, and they usually pay to hear him, so you got it for free here on the Idola Power Hour. He was very nervous, but I think he got over his fear. You know, you know what he, he told me today? I, I didn't. I thought I knew the answer, but he said, "Arthur, you know where the Declaration of Independence was signed?" I said, "Philadelphia." He said, "No, on the bottom." But I'm part of Bing. All right, thank you, Judge Cammons. We got thank a lot. You, more, we have a lot more legal news and fun news coming up. So stick around, listen to the evening news, and we'll be right back. That was another fitting song for Judge Cameron's A Whole Lot of Love, because he does get a lot of love, not only at home from his family, but from the legal community. He is literally a storied attorney here in the state of New York. Speaking of the state, how about Empire State Bank that has a special program for attorneys? Now, they serve the whole community, but for attorneys, they have what's called the Attorney Advantage Banking Money Management they specialize in providing innovative financial solutions, personal service, which let me tell you something, during the pandemic when you were trying to get those PPP loans, that personal service went a long way. And they are industry experts in how to run and grow your business. They understand the intricacies, I wish I could say intricacies, they understand the intricacies of law and have designed a banking program built with specialized financial, financial solutions to meet the needs of attorneys and law firms. Empire State Bank also provides comprehensive treasury management and fraud protection tools, including business, online and mobile banking, online wire transfers, and check positive pay services to ensure fraud protection. And we all know how important that is. I remember years ago, my buddy Charlie, he, they stole his ID and it took us months to unravel that. You do not want to have your identity stolen. Take your legal firm to the next level with Attorney Advantage Banking from Empire State Bank with locations in Staten Island, Brooklyn, and Queens. And I'm sure if you give them a call, they'll come visit you at your law firm as well. Call Empire State Bank today at 833-393-7700. That's 833-393-7700. Visit ESBNA.com. That's ESBNA.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. 
After driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, we believe Mitsubishi Motors now launches its most exciting lineup ever. Get thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Choose from a wide selection of trim levels in either front-wheel drive or all-wheel control, all featuring the flexibility of third-row seating. And with special finance and lease programs, you'll be sure to find just the right Mitsubishi Outlander for you. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com. That's FreeholdMitsubishi.com. Or call 732-863-2788. 732-863-2788. Freehold Mitsubishi. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732 News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer. Clear skies, 30 degrees on this Tuesday evening. What's going on? We have the answer. Well, police are investigating after an NYPD officer fired a shot on the Upper East Side. It happened shortly after 3 o'clock this afternoon on Madison Avenue between 98th and 99th Street in front of Mount Sinai Hospital. Reports say it happened after a car was stopped by police and things escalated with an officer firing a shot. No one was injured. The recent surge of the Omicron variant continues to sharply decline in New Jersey. A seven-day average of positive cases are down 32% from one week ago and down 92% from one month ago. In addition, hospitalizations dropped below the 1,400 mark for the first time since December 6. However, sadly, 87 people did die from COVID-19 yesterday in the Garden State. New York City will be offering a record-high 100,000 summer youth jobs this year. Council Speaker Adrian Adams says the expanded youth summer employment program is part of the mayor's strategy to reduce gun violence. It is especially important that we deliver positive opportunities and pathways during the summer months when we know that violence tends to spike. The six-week program is for those ages 14 to 24 and will cover areas including technology, finance, consulting, and advertising. Officials say the program involves academic outcomes and job readiness. Taking a look at the traffic across the Hudson, if you're going back to New Jersey on this Tuesday evening, figure on about a 20-minute delay at the Holland Tunnel and the Lincoln Tunnel. Both tunnels about five minutes on the city-bound side. Outbound GW Bridge upper level looks like some sort of police activity on the Jersey side. The right two lanes are out of service, so grab the lower level if you can going back to New Jersey. Your forecast, clear skies tonight, overnight low 27. Sunshine to start tomorrow, increasing clouds in the afternoon, high 48. Cloudy on Thursday with rain moving in late at night, high of 60. That rain will be heavy overnight Thursday into Friday, should taper off by the lunch hour on Friday, high 56 Friday. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. So Prince Andrew, he settles. He settles his case. 
Now, uh, since we spoke a moment ago with Judge Barry Cummins about our client, Rudy Giuliani, I might as well talk about our client, Alan Dershowitz, Professor Alan Dershowitz, who is far uh, more important in my life than just being a client. Uh, he's been a dear friend for a dozen years now uh, and a mentor and a role model, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he is accused basically of the same thing that Prince Andrew was accused of is accused of, depending on how you want to talk about it. The difference is Prince Andrew was being pursued about the actual sex acts, whereas Alan Dershowitz is in two lawsuits in two venues about overly stating that he didn't have sex or touch anybody. Uh, so it come, it rose to the level, according to the plaintiffs, of def, <clears throat> excuse me, of defamation. Um, He'd said some not-so-nice things about uh, Miss Roberts, who, Roberts Jufre, one's her married name, one is her maiden name, uh, who accused him of having sexual relations with her in several places, not when she was underage, but that she was forced into doing it, et cetera, et cetera. And Professor Dershowitz's um, position, which he's been extremely uh, consistent about, is that since the day... I married Caroline. I've never been with another woman. And uh, he, unlike other people who were accused of this, he really went on uh, the offensive, like to a degree that uh, I didn't see coming. I could tell you when the um, accusation first unfolded, it was the end of 2014. Alan was so upset in January of 2015 maybe it was early February, I, I grabbed my son Luca and we flew down to Florida and we spent a couple of days with Alan just to get his spirits up. And, you know, he was just, he was in the position that he and I are fortunate enough to have represented clients who are accused of things when they know they really didn't do anything wrong or they really didn't do it. I mean, for me, what stands out is when I represented Billy Rapetti, who was the um, crane rigger, uh, uh, the crane here in Manhattan that fell and killed seven people. And, uh, you know, he's like, look, I did not do anything wrong that day. And even though they offered him a sweetheart plea, I should say the judge offered him a sweetheart, plea, like a really very low plea. He said, I'm not going to say I did something that I know I didn't do. <clears throat> and he refused the plea and we went to trial and thank God he was acquitted of all the charges. Um, here you have uh, Professor Dershowitz and you have Prince Andrew and what basically what happened was Prince Andrew had put a motion into the court to judge Kaplan in the Southern District of New York, who's a, he's been there a long time. Uh, he's a very fair judge. I've appeared before him several times with some very good results, I may add. Um, he's an open-minded judge, but they made his lawyer, and I listened to the whole argument because it was all via Zoom, I thought it made an excellent argument about why Miss Roberts had already gotten a, a whole bunch of money from Jeffrey Epstein in his settlement and that he should have been covered by that. It actually said in the settlement agreement, although it didn't put him name his name, it said any royalty is also covered by this agreement. He's clearly royalty, but about a month ago, maybe less than a month ago, um, the judge ruled, no, I don't find that the agreement where she already received money is specific enough to um, cover the Prince Andrew 
to cover Prince Andrew. So I'm going to allow this, the case to go forward. And now he's set to be deposed. I believe it was in a few weeks. Um, and look, we'll never know whether this is Prince Andrew settling this or it's the crown, you know, the, the, the queen, his 95-year-old mom. Um, but they certainly were not going to allow this to go forward. So they settled today for an undisclosed amount of money, and he's giving money to her charity, and he made all these nice statements about her, et cetera, et cetera. Clearly she had some leverage, or he had a bunch of power, a, pr- a bunch of pressure of people telling him, hey, this thing has to go away. You are not going to embarrass us. This is not going to be an ongoing case. Your mom's 95 years old. This is not how she's going to go out. So that case is settled. It'll it'll go away, and we won't, we won't hear exactly how it ended or even really why it ended. I could tell you this. Uh, Alan Dershowitz is never going to stop saying that he never had sexual relations with uh, Miss Jufre, Miss Roberts. Uh, you know, if, if she came in and said, all right, we'll drop the, you know, I'll drop my case against you and you drop your case against me because he has counterclaims and we'll just all walk away. Maybe, maybe that would be something just to get it out of your life, but don't see any big checks coming from Mr. Dershowitz to, uh, Miss Jufre ever. And, uh, don't ever expect Mr. Dershowitz to ever, uh, stop saying that he never had sexual relations with her because, he didn't. Um, you know, I, I very, very, very rarely vouch for my clients, but I know Alan, I, I know too many aspects of him. I've spent too much time with him. <clears throat> and if you told me this, something happened once, well, you know, my mom told me the expression, never say never because you never know. But <clears throat> Miss Jufre says this happened multiple times, and that's just, just not who the guy is. So, um, that's one big case that hit today. Another case that I'm really scratching my head about, and it's also in the courthouse where I practice all the time, the Southern District of New York, has to do with Sarah Palin. And Judge Rykoff, who's another judge I've appeared before several times, and I've very, I've gotten very good results over out of a very tough judge, um, he sends the case of Sarah Palin against the New York Times to the jury to allow them to deliberate. Now, in almost every case, before the judge gives the case to the jurors, uh, the defendant, so here it's the New York Times, in criminal court, it's the whoever is the criminal being defended, their lawyer stands up and says, Your Honor, I am asking you for a directed verdict or to dismiss the case, dismiss the charges, because in, in criminal court you say the people have failed to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, and there's not enough evidence to go to, even go to the jury. In civil court, you say the same thing. There are certain um, elements to the civil case that have to be met. Here, with the New York Times, it had to be malice. Her lawyers had to show there was malice. And meaning the New York Times wrote this editorial with, like, evil in their heart. Uh, and really out to get her, as opposed to being negligent, as opposed to making a mistake, as opposed to there being b- a blunder. So... Uh, but the, what the judge allowed them to do was he gave the case to the jury and allowed them to deliberate, as opposed to saying before they got the case, you know what, Miss Palin, you and your lawyers did not prove your case to a point where you showed that there was malice. I am not giving it to the jury. He gave it to the jury, and then while they're deliberating, they're in the deliberating room, he says in open court, even if they come back in Miss Palin's favor, I'm dismissing the case against her. Against the New York Times. Now, what questions me is the timing of this. 
you either do it before the jury's deliberating or after the jury's deliberating. You don't do it while the jury's deliberating. I know when you're so you're a judge in the Southern District of New York, you believe that when you tell a jury, don't pay attention to any media coverage, don't read anything about the case, don't listen to anything about the case, you think that actually happens. But with the greatest amount of respect, living in the streets of Brooklyn, New York, I don't think that actually happens for all 12 jurors. So they went home last night, and it was all over the news that the judge had already announced if they come back in Ms. Palin's favor, he's dismissing the case. You don't think that leaked into the jury room today? And sure enough, they come back today and they say, yeah, we don't believe that they found that there was enough evidence to show that the New York Times acted with malice and she lost the case. And now she does have the ability to appeal. And if I'm her appellate lawyers, I am going to highlight the fact that the judge already put the word out there that he was going to dismiss the case. And if you're a juror, and you hear that the judge who's judging your case, and again, if you haven't been to a federal courthouse or a federal courtroom, especially in the Southern District of New York, you may not be aware of how intimidating it is. I mean, the judge sits like a mile high in the air, a mile further from everyone else. I mean, it's really like God, like you're in church, and there's the crucifix all the way up top. So they read, oh, well, the guy who's sitting all the way up top says they didn't make their case. What do you think the jury's going to do? Oh, yeah, let's all say that the judge was wrong. Now, again, I'm sure Judge Rakoff pursued this thinking that the jurors are going to obey him and not hear anything about the case. But it's almost impossible. There's just media coverage everywhere you look. You go in the taxi cab, they're covering it. You go in an elevator, they're covering it. You turn on your phone, it's popping up on your phone. So it was just a weird outcome. I'm proud of Sarah Palin for making the fight and, and trying to keep the media as honest as possible. Keep fighting a good fight, Sarah Palin. Nobody's perfect, not even the New York Times. I'm Jerry Willis, and this is the Fox Business Report. The major average is snapping a three-day losing streak on signs of easing tensions in Ukraine, with the Dow rising 423 points, the Nasdaq up 349, S&P 500 up 69. And Airbnb reported better-than-expected profit in sales in the fourth quarter as bookings grew despite the impact of the Omicron variant on travel. Shares of Roblox are tanking after hours. The video gaming platform reported record numbers of daily active users and hours in gauge for the fourth quarter, but suffered a wider-than-expected loss. And Lazy Boy stock is falling in the extended session. The furniture maker reported mixed quarterly results and detailed multiple pandemic snarls that hindered production amid ongoing high demand for its furniture items. And department store chain Kohl's announced a list of 400 retail stores nationwide that will feature a Sephora at Kohl's shop by the end of the year. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Hillary Barsky, invested in you. Biden's massive spending plan has expanded America's money supply and taken money out of your pocket. But you can fight back against runaway inflation by sheltering your IRA or 401k with gold through Birch Gold Group. This is Stephen K. Bannon, and I'm proud to be a customer of Birch Gold. Join me. Birch Gold has created a free info kit on protecting your retirement with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Just text the words SHELTER to 989898. Text SHELTER to 989898 and learn how to shelter your IRA or 401k with gold. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. 
Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Coming up tonight at 7, it's Radio Night Live and Travel Night. Kevin McCullough, so glad to have you with us. My cohort in crime on Travel Night is Valerie Delia. And tonight, we go to South Africa. Will you come with us? See you tonight at 7 on AM 970, The Answer. AM 970, The Answer, doesn't have to stop when you turn off your radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Download the app. Just search AM 970, The Answer. Take us with you wherever you go. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. I got a terrible voice. Who's singing? Oh, 10,000 Maniacs. This is not 10,000 <laughs> I thought you wanted me to do some karaoke. No. I like version by Bruce Springsteen better than this, but he's copying he's copying her version. Um, I heard Bruce play this live, man. It was awesome. Because the night, let me tell you something about last night. <clears throat> My neighbor, when I pulled up, he, right before Valentine's Day, he pulled in with his new Mitsubishi Outlander, the big, big one. That is a beautiful truck. Matt Borzi talks about being thunderstruck I went online when I got home and everyone went to sleep and I was eating my salad with my red wine vinegar um, and a seltzer. I didn't even have a glass of wine. Um, and I watched a couple of the reviews. You know, you go on YouTube, they have all these people who do these car reviews and it really got fantastic reviews. It's, it's not a compact and it's not a full. It's kind of like in between. The third row is really... For little kids. It's, you know, you don't want to be a six-footer and driving any long distance back there. But... Most people put little kids in the third row. So check out that Mitsubishi Outlander. Um, what I checked out today, just a little while ago, was that Kathleen Rice, the congresswoman from Long Island, who I was in the Brooklyn DA's office with, who I tried my first homicide as a defense attorney against, <clears throat> got the acquittal. Um, she has been a congresswoman. She was a... I mean, she's had a fantastic career. She was an ADA, then she was a uh, United States Attorney General, I believe, in Philadelphia. Then she came back and she won the district attorney seat in Nassau County, and she ran for New York State Attorney General. She became a congresswoman, and she just announced today she is not running for re-election. Uh, she's been in public service for 30 years. This is the second uh, Democrat from Long Island who is not running for re-election, the other one being Tom Swazi. Now, Tom Swazi is running for governor. We will have him on this show soon enough. Um, it's just interesting. I don't know how good this is for New York because you're talking about two Congress people who have some degree of tenure and seniority. And in Congress, that's how everything works is how long you're there. You have more power. Um, so we're starting from scratch from those two people. I'm not a big... Uh, person to quote AOC 
but she said that Congress is a S.H. blank T show. Um, and she actually says, I think every day about getting out. <clears throat> what does that say? Um, it's It seems like it's a cool job. You got people spending almost a million dollars to run for a seat that, you know, you make $200,000. It doesn't really make a lot of sense from a financial point of view. You're out there. You could help a lot of people, I guess. But I guess they're not getting that degree of uh, satisfaction. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Kathleen Rice does. She is, as I said, very gifted. Her Rolodex is tremendous. And um, now we'll see who's going to go run for her seat. Maybe Alessandro Biaggi will change her district from running for Swazi's seat to Rice's seat. Because uh, as Anthony Weiner educated me, you don't have to live in the district where you're running for Congress because uh, apparently uh, Senator Biaggi went to a an event, her first event in Long Island, and let's just say she did not get a very warm welcome. Someone who did get a warm welcome today at the NYPD headquarters, one police plaza, was rookie police officer Summit Solan. Uh, he was one of the three police officers uh, who went into that home and was shot. The other two of obviously Detective Moore and De- Detective Rivera, who were killed. He was the one who actually killed the assailant. And so a rookie police officer was now promoted to the rank of detective. I am confident that the NYPD brass uh, will not make a rookie uh, who's now been promoted more or less or ceremoniously. I mean, he was he was he was absolutely acted like a hero. I mean, he's a rookie and he's the one who was able to stop this. The other two uh, officers uh, were not rookies, right? Rivera was, Mora was the older one. Rivera may have been a rookie. Rivera was a rookie, but Mora was not. But he was a hero and I'm not coming down on it. I just want to make sure that, uh, and I'm sure that the NYPD is going to place him appropriately. They gave him badge number 332, I guess the three people went in there and two died. And um, that is something that should be celebrated. And he is something that should be celebrated. People who bet on the Bengals in the Super Bowl were celebrating because I believe the last uh, line was four points. And the Rams only won by three points. And it's a shame that no money was uh, bet here in New York. Let's see. Take a guess. Uh, New York mobile sports betting generates $70 million in tax revenue. So that's what we got now to spend in the first 30 days. In one month, we brought in $70 million. You know how, how much from January 8th to February 8th, you know how much people wagered in New York? You ready? $1.98 billion. Dollars, Where does this come from? I just want to know where this money comes from. $2 billion? That's, I mean, that's an annoying... Your brain can't process how much $2 billion is, and yet we spent it. I mean, there's kids who don't have clothes, kids who don't have food, but somehow or another we got $2 billion to, to spend... On maybe winning money, more likely losing money. Speaking of someone who's risking losing a lot is Mr. Djokovic, the tennis player. He has said that if the French Open and Wimbledon require him to be vaccinated, he is prepared not to play. 
He made it very clear he's not an anti-vaxxer. He thinks that people who believe that, you know, that that is in their best interest, that they should be vaccinated. But he is not one of those people. He does not think it is in his best interest to put the needle in his arm, to take the jab or two jabs or three jabs. And now, apparently, from what we were reported the other day, it's going to be four jabs and maybe five jabs because they're saying the booster wears off after four months. Um, But the flip side of the coin that could take uh, Mr. Djokovic out of harm's way is the, I think it was England, announced today or yesterday that they are, um, the new rules in force in England, I think actually they started at the end of last week, will allow unvaccinated people to enter the country with tests before and after their arrival. So he may, you know, dodge a bullet here with uh, the French Open in Wimbledon because I know France is easing back. Look, the numbers, thank God, thank God are easing down. So um, well, hopefully we'll see Djokovic. Look, the guy's 34. You know, the, 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 the time is not on his side. The grains of sand are going through the hourglass. We want to see him play. I mean, he's, he's spectacular. Um, three women. It's taking three women to replace Billy Crystal or whoever else you want. I mean, when I think of the Oscars, uh, I think of Billy Crystal, Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes. So that's who will be hosting the Oscars on March the 27th. Have I watched one of the movies that are nominated? No. My house right now, we're watching. There's a movie called Luca. We watched that this weekend. It's a Disney flick. Um, There's Jurassic World we watch, which is another, like, kids series. Um... Moana is always on, and the big one is uh, Encanto, which is uh, Lynn Emanuel's. Uh, he wrote uh, Hamilton, and this is his new kids movie. Um, on a point of personal privilege, speaking about February the fifteenth, on February the fifteenth in in two thousand, after having a wonderful uh, Valentine's Day night. I was awoken by my mother to tell me that my grandfather, who I'm named after, Artie Idala, had passed away um, just short of his 92nd birthday. He was 91. <clears throat> um, I'm looking actually at his obituary in the New York Times, which hangs on the wall. It says, Artie Idala, 91, judge at first Ali Frazier bout. And uh, my grandfather, besides being a household name to those who followed sports in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and then, as I mentioned, even when I went off to school, he had a very special personality. Uh, He could light up any room that he walked into. I was very happy to hear that the Inner Circle, which is a charity event uh, run by the media of City Hall, and they uh, basically make fun of the mayor, and then he comes on and he makes fun of them. Uh, It raises money for charity. My grandfather was the star of that show for decades. I'm happy to hear that that's coming back. But on a happier note, 58 years ago tonight in a snowstorm in Brooklyn, New York, in Bensonhurst, Louis Ralph Joseph Idala married Marianne Veronica Piazza. And 58 years later, their son is behind a microphone following in his father's footsteps. Their daughter, Lori, is a school teacher following in her mother's footsteps. They have five beautiful grandchildren from Nicholas at 18, Juliana, Luca, Arthur, and Ariana. Happy anniversary, Mom and Dad. I'll see you in a little while for dinner. I love you.
The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.